Thank you for listening to this message from Faith Builders. Pastors Philip and Michelle Still are dedicated to building your faith and framing your world by the Word of God. There are many more resources available on our website, www.buildfaith.net, where you can find links to our audio and video archives. We also invite you to join us online for our live stream services. Remember to build your faith and frame your world by the Word of God. Let's go over to 2 Timothy. And I want to continue with something that I've been on over the last few Sundays on continuing in the truth. And, uh, you know, there's something I I'm, need to say, and it's just simply this. The devil is not going to take over. Why? Why isn't the devil going to take over? The devil is not going to have our country. I I didn't say we wouldn't have a Democratic president. That's not what I said. I said the devil is not going to take over our country. You wonder, how, how do I know that? Because for the devil to take over our country... He'd have to take over me. Amen. And he can't. Let me go over here where they believe something. He, he can't take me over. He can't take you over. He has a big problem in his attempts to win, and it's called the church. Are you following me? You cannot afford to give undue respect to the works of the devil. Amen. Let, let me ask you a question. That's all I'm going to say about it. I'm going to ask you this question. Uh, how do you, how, how, how is a cold transmitted? It's a, let me help you. It's a virus that's in the air and you get it. How is the flu transmitted? How is COVID transmitted? What's the difference? Why do you have more honor for COVID than you do the flu? I'm just saying, as, as, as people in general, not just you. Well, you know. People have died, right? And people have died from the flu this year. More people have died from the flu than died from COVID. But here's the thing. People start thinking about COVID and they start thinking about no vaccine. COVID is just a strain of the flu that they don't understand. I'm not telling you I'm saying, listen, when you start respecting things like that and holding them in honor, like the devil is going to just destroy people's lives. No, he's not. He can't. 
He came. I said he came. It was said from the very beginning, this thing will be over quicker than anybody thinks. You got to stick with it. Hallelujah. Now here's why. Because if you don't, you won't continue in the truth. I've had people ask me, well, what do you think about all this and and what are you going to do? What do you mean what am I going to do? Whatever happens in the political arena of our nation does not change what I've got to do. This gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all nations as a witness. Amen. I had, I, had a, I had a person ask me, you know, what do you think? Well, you know, I know the office that I stand in, but here's the bottom line. I said it in prayer. If people say, what's going to happen with this election? Uh, here's a good answer for you. I don't know. But here's what I do know. I'm at perfect peace about it. Why? Because what's it change? Well, if this person gets in, they're going to do this. How's that change the church? Are you telling me that political pundits in Washington, D.C. have more power than the church of the Lord Jesus Christ in the earth? Because if that's what you're saying, then my hope and my trust and my faith is in the wrong thing. Whoever is elected, uh, is sworn in in January, it doesn't change who my leader is. My leader is Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. I've heard people say, well, you better, you need to take this thing serious. Listen, my friend, you need to take the word serious. You need to take what God said serious. I'm declare, I declare it over you all the time. No evil will befall us. No plague will come near our dwelling. Even if it sneaks around at night. Amen. I know the blood of Jesus has isolated me. Amen. Does that make sense? You got to continue in the truth. So that's all I'm going to say about that. But it's not going to take over. Listen, you can't have it both ways. There are people shouting at the beginning of the year that this was the rebirth of our nation. It's the year of the rebirth of our nation. And now those same people are saying, I don't know what's going on. We needed at least four more years. So your trust is in a person. I thought our trust was in God. If our trust is in God, then what does it matter? Amen. Glory. 2 Timothy 3. Verse 13. Uh, The Apostle Paul is writing to Timothy. And he makes this statement. He says, but evil men... And seducers will wax worse and worse. The phrase is that it will go from bad to worse. 
Now, if you'll remember something the Lord said to us about this year, He said, there will come, if you can imagine, an even wider divide between what is right and what is wrong. And He said, the key will be for those that stand for and on the Word. Right? So we're seeing a divide large between what's right and wrong. Paul told Timothy, evil men and seducers will go from bad to worse. Scripture says, deceiving and being deceived. The phrase is leading astray and being led astray. Hallelujah. The next word, though, is but. You continue in the things you've learned and that you've been assured of, knowing of whom you've learned them. One translation says, but you stay in the truth. Another says, as for you, stay in the truth. So Paul says that the key to victory is continuing in what we've learned. Being distracted is the opposite of continuing. Because the word continue, it means to remain, to stay, to be present. To be present, to remain there, to stay there, to be present. In what did Paul say? In what you've learned. In what you've been assured of. In other words, we could say it this way. What's always worked. What you have an assurance of. Amen. The enemy will try to distract you with things you can't change. There are things you can't change. There are things going on in the world that you can't change. Why? Because it's in the power of someone else to make that decision. I can change how it affects me. But that becomes a distraction. What are you going to do about this? What are you going to do about that? What are you going to do? Here's what we're going to do. We're just going to act like the word's true. Amen. Because that is continuing in the word. There are things I can't control in the natural, but what I can control is where I choose to remain, what I choose to continue in, what I choose to give my focus to. And so what we have to be focused on is what God has said. That's the business that we're to be occupied with. In the first series, first message in this series, They came to Jesus, found him in the temple, Mary and Joseph, when when they found that he wasn't with the family, and they said, uh, you know, we were looking for you. How is it you did this? And he said, "Uh, how is it you didn't know I would be in my father's house occupied with his business? Occupied with his business. Do, do, Do you see this? Listen. If we were going through this world, this this year, without a pandemic, without a shakeup in the political arena, there'd still be things the enemy would try to be distracting you with. Because his job is to move you away from the truth. Amen. Yeah, but people are lying. And the scripture said they would do that. And it said the longer we're on the earth, the more they're going to do it and the worse it's going to get. Not, I'm, not, I'm not trying to be a downer, but listen, you think you've heard some big lies recently? Just wait. There are bigger liars out there. Amen. Amen. 
Now, the, the, the reason why this is so important is it tells you what you are supposed to center up on. What has worked in your life? What has healed your body? What has changed your family? What has blessed you? What has kept you where you need to be? That's what you stay with. Amen. Glory to God. Because there's a lot of good things going on. But you can get so focused on one thing that everybody's saying is not right and you miss all the good things that are going on. All the victory. Now, what we have to be focused on is what God said. That's the business we're to be occupied with. And Paul states, no matter what's going on, you stay with, you continue in the things you've learned. Because no matter what happens in the world, it doesn't change what we do. And the main thing that we do is stay with the Word. This is what the Word said. A large part of continuing in the truth is this, making sure that no promise that God's made to me from His Word goes unfulfilled in my life. Making sure that no promise that God made to me from His Word goes unfulfilled. In 2 Peter... Uh, chapter 1 and verse 2. He says, Grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. So notice he says that grace and peace are multiplied. And then he says how? Through the knowledge of the Father and Jesus our Lord. Through the knowledge of God and our Lord Jesus Christ. The word knowledge here, many, many times the word knowledge, the word for knowledge in the, in the uh, New Testament is the word gnosis, G-N-O-S-I-S. This is a different word. It's epi, E-P-I, epigenosis, epigenosis, all right? Well, it, in, in the Greek, when the, the, the word is preceded by the word epi, in, in many instances, all right, it can refer to where, like the word we have, epic. All right, something that's epic, something that's big. But epi, followed by a certain word, in this case, epigenosis, also can mean this, a precise and correct knowledge. A precise and a correct knowledge. People that have uh, sudden allergies to food or, or things of that nature, very often they carry a what in their backpack? EpiPen. Well, that's not a random dose. It's a precise dosage for that person. Right? Paul says, or Peter says, that grace and peace are multiplied through this precise and correct knowledge of God and our Lord Jesus Christ. We only receive precise and correct knowledge of the Father and the Lord Jesus from the Word. Why? Experience is not precise or correct. People's experiences vary. That's why you stay with the Word. That's the precise and the correct knowledge. Knowledge. 
of the Lord Jesus Christ and the Father God. All right? The knowledge that God wants you to have of Him is contained in the Word that He gave you. The knowledge of Jesus Christ grows as my knowledge of the Word grows because the knowledge of the Word is the evidence of the will of God. And so what God wants you to know and what God wants you to walk in, He wrote it down in a book and gave it to you. It doesn't vary. It never changes. 1 Peter 2 and 24, you will never open the book and it says this has been edited because the content is out of date. That is an eternal word. Everything spoken that was written by the Holy Ghost in this book is an eternal word. And it was written down for time and eternity and posterity so that God's people could take what was written and base their life on it. Amen. Amen. You you, you cannot, you have a hard time forgetting when you can go every day to the same chapter and the same verse and every day get a full, precise, correct knowledge about what God says. And he said that grace, God's power and God's ability at work on your behalf, grace and peace are multiplied the more knowledge you have of the Lord Jesus and the Father. Right? Hallelujah. We'll only receive that knowledge from the Word. Now notice verse 3. According as His divine power hath given unto us. Now, let's break this down because I want you to see this. Has given unto us all things. Now, this is important. Has given unto us all things. That pertain to what? The word pertain means with regard or in regards to what? Life. And godliness. Now, how does that come? Through the knowledge of Him. Verse 2, grace and peace be multiplied to you through the knowledge of God the Father, Jesus our Lord. According to His divine powers given us all things that pertain or in regard to life and godliness or holiness. Through the knowledge of Him that's called us to glory and virtue. So He has given... All things. Now bear with me, because if you say He's given all things, all, there's nothing that's not contained in the word all. And He gives us the time frame, past tense, has given. Can, can, you got a moment, can we flip that over to the Amplified Bible? Has given. Now, now I'm going to take my time here. You don't have anywhere to go, right? For His divine power has bestowed upon us all things that are what? Requisite and suited to life and godliness. Now, this is important. Has bestowed, has given. 
All things. So all these things have been given, have been bestowed, and they are everything that is needed or that is required for life and godliness. Now, hallelujah. The word life here is the word zoe, Z-O-E. Now, we hear that, and, and we've even read the book, you know, Brother Hagin wrote the book, Zoe, the God Kind of Life. And we think, yeah, Zoe's the God kind of life. Hallelujah, I have the God kind of life. But here's something that, that's so interesting. Zoe, the Greek word Zoe, it, does, it is the God kind of life, but it means this, absolute fullness of life. Absolute fullness of life. And godliness or holiness. Now, we'll take them from the reverse. I run into people all the time that talk about how, well, you know, man, it's just so hard to live holy. No, it's not. When I have been given all things that are required for holiness. Well, what's required for holiness? The, The Spirit of God in me, being made a new creature, the Word of God, and I have it. But notice this. The God kind of life. A full, absolute fullness of life. We've been given all that we need with regards to living absolute fullness of life in holiness. Absolute fullness of life. Whatever that fullness of life looks like to you, I've been given the power to do it. Through the promises that God gave me. Now remember, one of the, the issues of continuing in the truth is making sure that not one of the promises God gave you is left unfulfilled in your life. Amen. That's up to me. Look at verse 4. 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 4. Whereby, or this is how, are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these exceeding great and precious promises, you might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. So the divine power of God is the source that is given unto us exceeding great and precious promises. Now very often when people read that, they read it like they read over in the book of Ephesians. Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly. And they put it together. No, the phrase is unto him that's able to do exceeding abundant. He exceeds abundance. Right? And they do the same thing here. According, uh, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises. Wait a minute. Stop and read it right. Whereby are given unto us exceeding great. The promises we have been given exceed great. As a matter of fact, the promises we have received exceed great. And when it says that, that, that uh, uh, exceeding great and precious promises... That exceeding great just means, it means this, 
Simply, look it up, it, one phrase, the greatest. Whereby are given unto us the greatest precious promises. Amen. The greatest. So, now, so here, I'm, here's what I'm wanting to get into. So the problem then is not in the giving of the promises. It's not a lack of promises. It's a lack of receiving them. It's a lack of walking them out. It's a lack of holding on to them. It's a lack of taking the promise and mixing it with faith. Because they have been given. Let's go back over it again. All right? Because it says in 1 Peter chapter 1, According as His divine power has given all things that pertain unto life and godliness, whereby are given unto us the greatest precious promises. So the problem is not ever in the giving of the promise. Everything, read your scripture, everything the Bible says, it says everything that God promised us was finished from the foundation of the world. We'll we'll read it a little bit in Hebrews. It says the works were finished. What's the works? Every work that he needed to do to provide all these exceeding great and precious promises was finished from the world's foundation. God is not up in heaven figuring out what new promise He can come up with. There are no new promises. It says His mercies are new every morning. No new promises. Everything God said I'll do, He's already accomplished it. He's already given us the promise. He's already said it's on your account right so we have the promise tabulation and there's your name and under your name are all the greatest promises that you've been given hang on though next to that is the tabulation of how many of those you're walking in little less enthusiasm on that part. Because here's what we Word of Faith people do real good. We shout about the promise real good. Because that's what we're supposed to do. Yes, bless God, I'm the healed of the Lord. Hallelujah, praise. Don't know why God hadn't healed me yet. I thought you said you were the healed of the Lord. What changed? If I told you, look, I have given you a $100 bill, right? And all you got to do when you need money is just take it, just claim it, right? Is it there? What do you have to do? Take it. Amen. Right? But what if he sits there and says, I don't know why pastor won't give me that $100. I don't know why. 
The promises have been given. Is Jesus working or sitting? What's that? He's sitting at the right hand of the Father. Seated, you're seated with Him. Is the work done? The work, what work? The work of giving the promises. The work of solidifying the promises. All done. And it's been done since the foundation of the world. So when someone says, oh, bless God, hallelujah. Woo, I'm the healed of the Lord. Praise God, hallelujah. I don't know what's taking so long. I don't know why I don't feel better yet. I've been confessing and nothing's changed. They have not taken the promise. They know the promise is there, but they're not mixing it with faith. Shouting is not faith. Shouting's involved in faith, but it's not faith. Amen. I've watched people over the years that shout the loudest, and we should shout. But they shout the loudest. I mean, that you almost got to ask them to calm down because I can't preach over you. Come on, amen, come on, hallelujah, that's right, bless God. Oh, pastor, I need you to pray for me. Nothing's changing in my finances. We've been giving away. Hang on. Has been given unto us. Now, wait a minute. So that carries the idea that it's not just a a series of promises that's out there that I could get. It's something that has personally been given to me. It's not just out there and I can walk in it if I want. It's been given to me. My name is on it. Don't stop shouting now. Hallelujah. So there's that list of all the promises, and then what have I received? Because notice this. The divine power is the source of these exceeding great and precious promises. Look at John 10. Oh, hallelujah. Here's this phrase. This is a very familiar passage of Scripture, but notice this. The thief comes not before to steal, kill, and destroy. I am come that you might have life, and you might have it more abundantly. It's the same word there, zoe. So we could say, I am come that you might have absolute fullness of life. And Scripture says, notice that Jesus said he came to give us absolute fullness of life more abundantly. So think about this. The life he gave us was already the absolute fullness. And he said, I'm come to give it to you more abundantly. The Amplified Bible says, to the full until it overflows. Hallelujah. As believers, we access... And we have access to this fullness of life through salvation and promises in the Word. Salvation opens the door to this life. The promises are how we walk it out. The promises are how we live in this fullness of life. And it says we've been given these promises. The word promises is a phrase that means self-committal. Self-committal. In other words, God has committed Himself to the things He's promised us. It's a self 
committal. And that's the importance of the written word of God, again, is to understand that God has so committed himself to what he said that he put it down in written form. You know, if you're not committed to something you said, you're probably not going to write a book about it. Amen. He has committed himself to these things. And that's why he says, these things have been given. They have been. So God's not going to promise. He has promised. He's already committed himself to it. And so when someone says, I believe God will... It's evident that they don't know the nature of God's promises. They're not a future reality. They're a present tense reality that has to be walked in. So when someone says, well, I believe God will heal me, they're not aware of the present tense nature of the promise that they're already healed. Brother Hagin made this statement. He said, uh, uh, if... uh, You received physical evidence of your healing today. You weren't healed today. You were healed 2,000 years ago. So if I received the evidence, whatever the evidence may be to you, uh, uh, the, the, the removal of pain or a, a correct report from the doctor or whatever, I didn't get healed when the pain went away. I was already healed because the promise was already given. It just took me ever how long it took me to walk in it. Now, that's not an excuse. That's telling you how the promises work. You can speed it up or slow it down. Amen. Amen. So our job as a believer is to be certain that none of those greatest promises are unfulfilled in our life. And notice how Peter made the statement that they're not only exceed great, they're precious. They're precious. Amen. People will stand in the healing line and get hands laid on them. And then the next service they'll come and they'll go, well, you know, I'm just believing God to heal me. I thought we laid hands on you. Yeah, but nothing changed. Okay. So what does that say about what you believe? Right? Did you receive it when you felt it? Or when he said you had it? When did he say I had it? The moment, the, the moment he gave it to me. And they're exceeding great. And I already have them. They've already been given to me. This is the thing. When you got born again, these things were given to you. They were put to your account. And so for someone to say, I don't understand why God hasn't healed me, the promise is a self-committal of God. By His stripes, you are, Isaiah, healed. By His stripes, you were, 1 Peter. I am the Lord that heals you. I sent my word and healed them. 
That's the promise. Is that right? And so, let's look at Hebrews 4. These things have been given. Actually, let's start in Hebrews 3, because that will be the, uh, a good place to start. Because I want you to see this about the promise. Brother Hagin always said one of the things that robs people is an ignorance of what belongs to them in Christ. And, and remember that knowing what belongs to me in Christ does not mean just knowing that God can heal. Because knowing that God can heal does not, know, does not mean that you believe it belongs to you. Amen. How do I know none of the diseases of this age will come on me? Because he said that he carried my sicknesses and carried my diseases. And with his stripes, I was healed. Wait, he carried them. He bore them in his own body. With his stripes, you were healed. So when I declare every day of my life that none of the diseases of this age can attach themselves to me, Why? I have a promise that anything that Jesus carried, I don't have to carry. Anything that Jesus allowed to be attached to him, I don't have to have it. That is a great promise. So, Hebrews 3 and 19, but we see they could not enter in Because of unbelief. Notice it didn't say non-belief. Unbelief. There's a difference. Unbelief means you have access to the promise and you won't believe it. Non-belief means you haven't heard the promise. So you're a non-believer because you haven't heard the promise. You might or might not be a believer after you hear it. But he says they could not. Didn't say wouldn't. Didn't say it was hard. Said they could not enter in. To what? Enter into the promised land. The promised land is not a type of heaven. The promised land, and I know we sang that song in church growing up, on Jordan's stormy banks I stand and cast a wistful eye over into the promised land. I am bound for the promised land. I am bound. No, no you're not. You're not bound for the promised land. Heaven is not the promised land. The promised land is the land of promise. The promised land is what we walk in under the new birth. He did not promise the children of Israel land flowing with milk and honey, right? Pomegranates, grapes, victory. He did not promise them that after they died. He said, that's a land I'm taking you into. Any of the things promised to you in the word of God, you will not need in heaven. You won't need them. You do know you're not going to be sick in heaven. There's going to be no healing lines in heaven. Jesus is not going to spit in anybody's eye or tickle their ear or nothing. Right? 
because it's going to be taken care of. But here's the thing. He wants you to live in the promise now. So he said they could not enter in to what? The promise because of their unbelief. Unbelief in what? The promise. Now the Bible says, Paul said, you need to examine yourself to see if you're in the faith. At some point, I've got to examine and say, okay, am I taking this? Am I walking in the promise? Or am I leaving some things on the table? And he says, notice, chapter 4, verse 1, let us, now remember the us is New Testament believers. He's referring to the people of Israel, and he says they could not enter in because of their unbelief. And he says, let us, therefore, fear. Oh, now, now wait a minute, wait a minute, wait, wait a minute, Pastor. 365 times the Bible tells us not to fear. Yeah, but here it tells you too. Well, I don't believe it. I don't care what you believe. What you believe is probably what's stopping you from receiving. Amen. Amen. I know that's short and sweet, but I don't have a lot of time to play. He said, let us therefore, therefore what? what? Why is therefore there? Because verse 19, they could not enter in because of unbelief. So because of that, let us... Fear. Fear what? Lest a promise being left us of entering into his rest, any of you should seem to come short of it. The phrase, let us fear, we're told in the Greek, it's a horatory subjunctive. And it means this. It's not a suggestion. It's not a, a, a uh, uh, you know, just a phrase. It is a Direct command. We're being commanded here to fear not walking in those promises. Not entering into rest is the only thing other than God Himself that God's commanded us to fear. I don't want to leave anything on the table. Hallelujah. Those who will not enter into the rest of God end up like the generation that died in the wilderness. And notice they would not. They wouldn't do it. They wouldn't enter in through the promise. Hallelujah. Because God said, look, God came down, and you you remember the story? He sent Moses, told him the I Am sent you, and Moses went, told Pharaoh, let him go. You remember the story. Pharaoh didn't let him go. The plagues came on Egypt. Finally, Pharaoh said, okay, go. Right? Well, God promised the people. And when did he promise it to them? 430 years before. Right? Genesis chapter 15. When Abraham is there and God puts Abraham to sleep. And when he wakes him up, he starts talking to him about his posterity and about his future generations. And he says, I will bring them into a land and I'll bless them. And Right? And then Moses goes down to a group of complaining people. And God first shows up and he says he remembered his covenant with Abraham. And he went down to deliver the people. 
And he said, the land that I'm taking to you, you to is a land that flows with milk and honey. It'll be a land where you don't have to work and labor for everything. It's not going to be like Egypt where you watered your crops with your foot. It's going to be a land that flows, a land of brooks, a land of rivers. Everything you need is going to be there. I'm giving it to you. All you got to do is walk in and possess it. Amen. And he told him, there's going to be the Hivites. The Amorites, the Hittites, the Jebusites, all of them are going to be there. The giants are going to be there. But I'll go before you and I'll drive them out. Is that what he said? Right? All you got to do is come in. Read it in Deuteronomy. All you got to do is come in and live in houses you didn't build, cities you didn't build. Reap, reap fruit out of vineyards that you didn't plant, wells that you didn't dig. It's all going to be there waiting on you. All you got to do is believe me and enter into it. Amen. Yet they could not enter in because of unbelief. Did God lie? I said, did God lie? No. Were the rivers there? Yes. Were the cities there? The houses, yeah. the vineyards, yeah. the land, yeah. the, was it all there? Yeah. Yet they could not enter into it because of unbelief. Amen. Remember Numbers chapter 13? They went in, Moses, Moses said, you know, go spy out the land. I don't know why he put it the way he put it. You know, to see if it's the way God said, well, pfft. Now, New Testament believers will say, yeah, yeah, those Israelites have hands laid on you. Well, let me bend over and see if I'm healed. Thought the promise was there. I thought it was yours. I thought it belonged to you. Now, think about this for a moment. So if you turn around and you go back to your seat and the pain's still there, what does that change? What does that mean? What, what, does that make the promise of God of no effect? Amen. So Numbers 13, they go into the land and they, you remember they spied out the land, they brought the fruit back and they came and, and they made the statement. They said the land that we went into search, oh, it's exactly right. It's just how God said. It flows with milk and honey and, and rivers and, and streams and here's the fruit of it. Nevertheless. Oh, wait a minute. I saw the promise. I walked in the promise. I tasted the promise. It's there. It's everything God said. Uh, but there's enemies. I thought God said he would drive them out. When we say faith is an act, if you don't take the first step, there's nothing for God to back you on. Amen. There's, no, there's nothing for God to back me on. There's nothing that says, I believe what he said. Amen. And, and, and very often when we preach these messages, we contrast Joshua and Caleb with the ten spies, and we should... 
because of what the Bible says about them. It says there was another spirit in them. And we'll say, yeah, it was the spirit of faith. What does the spirit of faith do? The spirit of faith, according to 2 Corinthians chapter 4, the spirit of faith believes and speaks. The spirit of faith looks at the, the problems you're having as light and easy. The spirit of faith knows. We have in the same spirit of faith, according as it is written, I have believed and therefore have I spoken. We also believe and therefore speak, knowing that the God that raised up our Lord Jesus Christ from the dead will raise us also up together with you. The spirit of faith, it goes on and says, while we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen, for the things which are seen are temporal, temporary, subject to change, but the things that are not seen are eternal. So those giants, those, those enemies were at best subject to change. They were temporary residents in the promised land that God gave His people. So that issue in a person's body, that issue in their finances, that issue they may be facing is at best for a believer temporary if they will walk in the promise. Amen. If they'll walk in it. But they, 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 they came back and said, we can't do it. And Caleb stilled the people. Hey! Let's go up at once because we're well able to do this. Right? What, what did he hear? What was the difference between what he heard and what they heard? They heard flowing with milk and honey, land of streams and rivers, right? Vineyards, houses, cities, blah, 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 wells. <laughs> they didn't hear the last part God said. Hivites, Perizzites, Hittites, Jebusites, Amorites. But I'll drive them all out from before you. Joshua and Caleb heard all of it. And they said, yeah, they're, they're there, but the Lord, if the Lord's with us, that's what Joshua said, if it so be the Lord's with us, we'll drive them out. Right? Caleb didn't lose that. 45 years, 40 years later, he comes back with the same mindset. He remember what he told Joshua? 45 years old was I the first time we came here. And today I'm 85. And I'm just as strong as I was then. And Moses said he would give me that mountain. Now watch. And he said, I know that the giants are there. And the sons of the giants are there. But the Lord will be with me. And I'll drive them out. Is that right? Now wait. That wasn't bravado. What was he focused on? Moses gave me that mountain. And when you're walking in the promise, you're continuing in the truth and continuing in the promise, nothing can stand before you. Amen. Because I'm not walking trying to make something happen. If you're waiting to reach a place where you can be healed, you will never be healed. 
Because ever what level of faith I'm at, I, it starts with receiving it as mine now. Amen. Hallelujah. Mm. Not trusting in God's promises for our lives will guarantee failure. When we refuse to trust God's promises, we push God to the side and decide to handle our own lives. When problems arise, then we're without help. Don't don't ever do that. Well, I I can handle this. Not without the promise, you can't. Amen. Hebrews 4, verse 2. For unto us was the gospel preached as well as unto them. But the word preached did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. For we which have believed do enter into rest. As he said, as I sworn in my wrath, if they shall enter into my rest. In, in other words, he's saying, I've sworn in my wrath. They needn't think they're going to enter into my rest. Why? Although the works were finished from the foundation of the world. The word did not profit them. The word was not useful to them. The word had no advantage. The word didn't benefit them. Notice something. A lack of promises was not the problem. Wasn't the problem. A lack of promises for you and I is not the problem. 7,000 promises in the Word. 7,000. Lack of promises is not the problem. He said the problem was it was not mixed with faith in, in, in their hearts. Not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. If you don't understand that your heart is the combustion chamber and you hear the word of faith, you got to take it in your heart and mix it with faith. When you fill a car up with gasoline, that gas, when, when, the, when, the, when the, the pressure's put on it, that fuel moves through that fuel line And it just doesn't go from the tank to the engine and produce force and thrust and drive. It's got to go through the process of combustion. In other words, it has to be mixed in the carburetor. It has to be mixed in the carburetor so it can go through the fuel injectors. So it can be injected into the pistons and produce combustion. Here's the thing, though. If you fill up your tank half gas, half water, that carburetor is still going to try to combust that mixture. But because what was put in it was not the right stuff, it's not going to work. Whatever you're hearing, your heart's trying to make work. Whatever you're listening to, your heart's trying to put it to work. That's why the Bible says Caleb stilled the people. Hey, 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 calm down. 
We can do this. But the others rose up and said, no, we can't. No, we can't. And what did they take in? What did they take into their combustion chamber? What did they take in? And what was the result? They took in the word that they were ant, that they were grasshoppers, hoppers, that they could not do it, that it was impossible, and they lost it all for them and their family. Amen. Hallelujah. I want the promises functioning. Hallelujah. So the gospel they heard was the promises. And notice this. Those who believe enter into rest. Enter into rest. And it says those that didn't believe are not going to do that. Even though everything they needed was finished from the foundation of the world. Finished from the foundation of the world. And so the problem with this, and and (laughs) this is so important, I may be getting ahead of myself, but God became angry with the Israelites because He had completed so much for them before the foundation of the world. What frustrates God with people is that He has completed so much for them before the world ever was, and they're not walking in it. The purpose of entering into rest is so we can come through the test and arrive on the other side in victory. Romans chapter 8 gives us some more insight to this. Because... Romans 8 and 29. For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he did predestinate, them he called. And whom he called, he justified. And whom he justified, he also glorified. What shall we say then to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? Now, the bottom line is, there's no circumstance can stop the believer that understands that. If God be for me, now, wait a minute, how do I know God's for me? Exceeding great and precious promises. 7,000 promises. How do I know God wants your family saved? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved and your house. How do I know God wants your body healed? Because he said he he was the Lord, your healer. He said, I'll take sickness and disease from your midst and bless your bread and your water. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power that went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil. And ought not this woman, being a daughter of Abraham, be loosed from her affliction on the Sabbath day? Master, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Neither man sinned but that the works of God might be made manifest in him. And when he had thus spoken, he spat on the man's eyes and he could see. That's the promise. That that is what God says. That's how I know that God wants you to walk in that. Amen. Amen. So why is it that 
if God's for me, how do I know He's for me? The promise. It would be no more real if God the Father took on human form today and came down here and stood in front of you and said, I'm God and I promise I'll heal you. It would be no more real than seeing I'm the Lord that heals you in the Scripture. It'd be no more powerful. It'd be no more relevant. It would be no, it would be no more real. Because the Word of God is God speaking to me. Amen. So there's no need that I can encounter that God has not already known about it and prepared for it. Through what? Exceeding great and precious promises. No circumstance can stop the believer that understands that. Amen. Those things that were completed before the foundation of the world, they refused to enter into it. They wouldn't. They would not. They were always wanting to turn back. And that, and that can be an oversimplification. But they're, they're less than a day out of Egypt. And they encounter the Red Sea. And they turn to Moses and said, Isn't this what we told you? Leave us alone. Let us serve Pharaoh. Now you brought us out here to die. Wait a minute. That's not what God said. God said, I'll deliver you and take you into a land that flows with milk and honey. Is that what he said? They, they went across the Red Sea, turned around, saw the waves fall back on the Egyptians. And what they do? Grab tambourines. Woo! Glory to God. And they're shouting, hallelujah. Yes, the Lord has drowned the horse and the rider in the sea. Woo! Glory to God. And the Bible says they could see the corpses of the Egyptians washing up on the opposite shore. And boy, they're shouting and they're praising God. And the next day you brought us out here in the wilderness to die. Would to God we were back in Egypt with the leeks and the garlics and the flesh pots. Okay, guys. Lord, what are we going to do? Look, tell them not to worry. Speak to the rock. And the Bible says he spoke to the rock and rivers flowed in the desert. That rock followed them around. When they needed water, they went to the rock. But every time they hit lack, what they do? Brought us out here to die. Gonna die. Weren't there enough graves in Egypt? Amen. He's on the mountain. He, I'm helping you all, right? He's on the mountain. And he's up there a little longer than they think he's going to be. And they come and they say, look, you got to make us a God. Take us back to Egypt. Because as for this guy, Moses, we don't know what's coming him. Right? And old spineless Aaron made him a calf. He didn't believe any more than they believed. Jellyfish. Amen. And, 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 and then he said, after he made it, he said, now consecrate yourself because tomorrow we're going to have a celebration. And God told Moses, get down and remember. He's, he's gone just a few days. And they want to forsake the promise, forsake what they're moving into, 
and go back to something that, that is destroying them. See, they wouldn't enter in. They wouldn't enter in. At any time, they could have said, we believe God. We're hungry. We're hungry. And so quail come flying through a foot off the ground. Enough quail that every man in the camp would have had three 55-gallon drums full. And then after the quail, they wake up in the morning and there's manna, angel food. The Bible says men ate angels' food. And Moses tells them that day, gather what you need for every day. Don't gather anymore because it'll breed worms. It'll stink. That day, that, ver- that very day, they gathered more than they were supposed to gather and it bred worms and it stank. And then he said, and don't go out and look for it on the Sabbath because it's not going to be there. And lo, they went out and it was not there. He told them not to. I know it's easy to pick on them. But he said they didn't enter in because of their lack of, unbel- their lack of faith in what I said. Right. You know what he finally said? Read it in Psalm 78. He said, you tell them as they've spoken in my ears, that's how it's going to be. He finally had enough. I have done so much. I've brought them out. I've delivered them. I brought the mightiest nation in this world, in the world, to its knees. Canceled their debt. Brought them out there with the wealth of, of a nation. And they won't believe me. Well, what did they keep saying? He told Moses, you tell them that's how it's going to be. They kept saying, we're going to die in the wilderness. And he said, I'm swearing to you, Moses. I'm swearing this generation will not enter into my rest. Could they have? Yep. Could have. No matter what we face, it's not worthy to be compared to the glory that will be revealed in us. That's what Romans 8, 18 says. It says, I reckon that the present suffering of this time is not worthy to be compared with the glory that will be revealed in me. Romans 8, 33. Notice this. Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It's God that justifies. Who's he that condemneth? It's Christ that died. Brothers risen again, who's even at the right hand of God and makes intercession for us. Who shall separate us from the love of God? The love of Christ. Tribulation? No. Distress? No. Persecution? No. Famine? No. Nakedness? No. Peril? No. Sword? No. As it's written, for your sake we're killed all the day long. We're accounted as sheep for the slaughter. That's not us. He's not writing to us. Because he says next, no, in all these things, what things? Tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, peril, sword. All these things were more than conquerors. How? How am I more than a conqueror? Through him. Through him who? Through Jesus. Who's Jesus? The word. Through the word. Through the promise. I'm, I'm not going in this thing trying to get the promise. I'm going into it with the promise. I have it. It's mine right now. 
And if I see persecution or trouble or distress or sword or problems, I am more than a conqueror because I've already got an answer to that problem. Glory to God. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life or angels or principalities or powers or things present or things to come or height or depth or any creature will be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. So nothing, no one, anything can stand against, condemn, separate me from the love of God. Nothing. Well, why is that important? Because the promise is evidence of God's love. You can't separate me from the promise. It's mine. It belongs to me. And no matter what we face on the earth, God's already made provision for us. Our job is just to walk in what He promised. Our job is just to walk in what He promised. Because He has given them. So, I don't want to leave anything on the table that belongs to me. Amen. Why? Because that's the problem. It's finished from the foundation of the world. Amen. Now, as I'm closing, what what I've always got to be cautious of in, in my faith walk is beginning to make excuses for why I'm not receiving. Don't do that. What God said, let it stay said. He said, you're the healer of the Lord. He said he would deliver. He said, whatever it may be, you fill in the blank. Religion comes up with reasons. God's getting glory. God's teaching me something. God's got a purpose. Well, we know that's not right. But in word of faith circles, well, I'm growing. My faith's growing. I'm getting stronger. Yeah, man, after 30 years... You should have gained some ground. Amen. Right? And if you're seeing progress, double up. Stay with what you, stay with what you know is right. Amen. Because you're moving it in the right direction. What are you doing? You're, you're accomplishing more of the promise every day. Hallelujah. And if I can finish with this, and don't get satisfied. 50% is not all of it. is not all of it. Don't just feel better. Be healed. Amen. 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 Well, I used to couldn't do this. At least now I can do this. Don't stop there. If you couldn't walk and you can walk now, don't stop before you can run. Right? If, If you weren't paying your bills and now you can pay your bills, don't stop there. You got savings account to move into. You got retirement to look at. You got abundance to walk into. Don't stop. Because it's all finished from the foundation of the world. Amen. Well, let's stand up this morning.